Yes. Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernet. And every week we get together, we listen to great video game music from all consoles, all generations, zero restrictions, 100% friendship. Well, there are some restrictions. I mean, it has to be sugar-free. Okay. You know, some cases gluten-free. Yeah, I know you're just trying to stay away from carbs. I am. See this? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's carbs, baby. All carbs. But nah, Rob is right. We pretty much just throw down on great music as we see fit um, based on restrictions that we provide for ourselves. Yes, we, we set um, self-imposed restrictions because we like discipline. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Um, this is episode 10-2, which is 92. Can you believe that? I cannot. No. Consistency is not my forte, so... Oh, I think it is now. I mean, two years every week. That is true. you got some... That'll have to go on my resume going forward. Steve So's here, sir. It's your work history. You are a very inconsistent gent. You come into work late. You leave early. You just... What do you do? Like, do a podcast every week? Dang. Oh, well, that just settles it. Give this man a job. <laughs> Hire him on the spot. All right. Before we get into today's topic, we want to say hello to everyone watching us live on YouTube on Patreon. So if you are a subscriber on patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels, you get access to these wonderful live shows. And which we'll ramble, but you can see us while we do it. And sometimes the gyration <laughs> might just occur, but whereas on the you know when you're listening you can't tell on the camera and via the Patreon link, you can laugh at us <laughs> as we go. Yeah, you get to see all of our uh, flubs, and the, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be really good, sort of. <laughs> um, uh, this is episode 10-2, like I said, and we thought we would do a composer focus this week. So we are going to do Yoko Shimomura. She, as many will know, is quite a well-established composer that... Even if you don't know her name, you do know something that she's composed. But due to the fact that she is so well known and that most of her most noted works are from later on in time, we created this restriction that we did not want to reference Kingdom Hearts. And later on, we decided Super Mario RPG because why not? Yeah, so, so we took out Mario RPG. We took out Kingdom Hearts. Not because they're bad games or because their music is bad, but because they'd be too easy. Well, I mean, for me... I know Yoko Shimomura mainly for Street Fighter 2. Ah, good point. So that's that's where I know her from. Um, so, But for my first track, I wanted to go um, into that same era. This is actually the same year that Street Fighter 2 came out mm-hmm. um, and is composed by Yoko Shimomura for another Capcom arcade game. This is called The King of Dragons. Hmm. And this is stages 2 and 9. Okay. And it's called Hard Long. What? (laughs) Okay. Just listen for the Street Fighter influence. I think you'll dig it.
hard, long. Stages two and nine, The King of Dragons for the Arcade, composed by Yoko Shimomura. This definitely sounds like a fighting game track. Like, it sounds like it would have... Yeah, it sounds exactly like a fighting game theme with four characters. So, so maybe that was her main style of choice during her early works. Or maybe she just started with it. Not started from, but when she did Street Fighter 2, she probably stuck with it for a little while. Like, I just like this sound. I want to run with it. Yeah, it's it's very, like... Um, it's very got that very, like, 80s, like, kind of montage. Like, this would have fit in our montage episode with Cameron. I can see that. I think so. Um... But yeah, like like I think they probably asked her to pick like to stay in like within a uh, like a, like a fantasy adventure style, um, and and then she just was she's just really good at melody because I know a lot of her other music, or a lot of really famous music that we're gonna listen to later on, and even into Kingdom Hearts is like very classical and very piano based. Yeah, I do like her work, which I love. But but this stuff, it's like I think about the music she did for Street Fighter, and I'm like, like Kingdom Hearts sounds nothing like Street Fighter. But then I found this game, and I'm like, oh, 1991? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hey, I think it's just, it may just well have been her style just changed over the years. Like Maybe she started one way, and as technology changed and the game she was working on changed, she adapted her sounds to fit the games that she was working on. Yeah. Which is plausible, but hey, thankfully, unlike some forms of media, video games don't seem to die. And we remember them. <laughs> we'll be remembering these games from the 90s when we're like 90 ourselves. So... As long as that's the case, hey, change the style as much as you want because the classics are still there. Yeah, yeah, this is um, this has definitely got that classic sound. And I still think it's funny that Ed Happy, um, as a guy that we are friends with Ed from another podcast called Pixel Tunes Radio, he for a split second had me under the impression that Yoko Shimomura actually lived in like, lived in upstate New Jersey. <laughs> and I was trying to track her down. I love it. I was like, I gotta get her on the show. She's local. So that means I can try to reach out to right. her. <laughs> and if she's in the states, that means she probably speaks decent enough English that I could actually communicate. Oh, really? But she doesn't live in New Jersey, and that dream is dead. So, <laughs> but we can still talk about her jams. So that's enough for me. So, but I could probably follow this bad boy up with an interesting tune. Then, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I don't know if you have any Street Fighter or not. So no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go Street Fighter. I, I stayed. I stayed clear from some of the uh, some of those tracks. Okay, cool. That means I, can, I feel good without about choosing it now without thinking that Street Fighter is going to show up later. So I chose a track that I honestly had no idea she wrote until I started prepping for this episode, which oh. I thought was pretty interesting to learn about. But um, I'm going to name the track and then go into it after it plays. The track is called Majestic Fire. Yeah, and it's from the game Pop and Music 13 Carnival. You think she gave us five hours on Patreon at this rate?
what you just listened to was the track Majestic Fire from the game Pop and Music 13 Carnival, or as I tend to call it, one of the biggest surprises that game had for me when I first bought it so friggin' long ago. Oh my god, it's been ages. But, um, so this track, when you play Pop and Music games. All right, so first of all, Pop and Music. Explain to the audience what pop and music is. Oh, okay. Well, we probably brought up our Bimani episode a ways back, but pop and music is a Japanese rhythm game by the company Konami. Even though Konami themselves are pretty much DOA in the gaming community, they still release their music games in Japanese arcades. And this is probably one of their most popular ones. And the premise is that, you know, nine piano scales are scrolling down the screen, but they're actually represented by giant, colorful button people. And you got to smash a giant, colorful button controller. When the buttons hit the line, that's at the bottom. Basically playing the song that you're listening to. So this crazy, frantic, active song is being played on a keyboard, but not a keyboard, like a button board. And all the tracks in the game are typically based off of a theme that they give the composer to work with them when they create the track. Or they'll just license a track and then create, a, give it a theme instead. And in the case of this, I'm going to assume that they had Yoko Shimomura write this track for the game. The theme, or the genre, quote-unquote, that was given to this track was called Kaku G. And I have yeah, no I idea that. what that means. Like, what What would they... Google Translate says Stiff G. So I don't know <laughs> what the heck they're talking about. But uh, I mean, we have a really weird, unintended theme for today's show. Yeah, Google Translate's terrible. That's the theme. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, we um but so basically the main the character which is another component each song has a character sprite that is a company accompanies the track which I guess is meant to give the game personality and in the case of this song it is a fighting character named like Moyo G or something like that whose name again I don't even remember his name off the top of my head but he's kind of like a fighting game character he's got a white gi on and red flaming hair and a head bandana yeah he's kind of looking like Ryu a little little bit exactly like I think this was meant to represent like. A fighting game spirit as far as how the game music is composed is meant to sound like a fighting game yeah and i feel as though it took care of, it did it in space it came out on top and it's one of the best tracks in the game yeah it does sound like that does sound like a fighting game song oh yeah but like an anime fighting game song mm-hmm. um, like blast blue or like melty blood or <laughs> one of those weird sounding games i think this even came out before those games were even a thing so maybe guilty Gear. Uh, we were i think it was around so I went to round one with Ian uh, last week, and we we played this game. They have one of those um those cabs that have like a whole bunch of games in it. Yeah. And we played. Um, we were just like we just want to play fighting games the whole day. So we sat down and we played. I think it was called Cannon something Blasters. I'm not even sure. And what it was called. it was like busty weird young anime girls like fighting Nitro each other. Blasters? Nitro Blasters. They have an arcade version of that. Yes, it is awesome. I did not know that it has like Super Sonico in it. That's yeah. like what his claim to fame is. Oh, is she the girl with the headphones? Yeah. That was the only reason I liked the game because she just fought with cats. <laughs> so she holds a cat and the cat like fights the guy and then like all around her are like six other cats. And if you hit a button, she does she doesn't attack. A cat runs out. That's pretty sweet. Oh, it's the best. And I kept losing, but it didn't matter. I'm trying to so cool. there's any other characters, but I want to say it was the girl from Fate Summon Night that's also oh, in the man. game. She's like a uh, swordsman with a dress. But um, there was a I don't know there was there was a lot of weird characters in that game but like the the assist assist um, characters like they were all completely different from the main cast it was really neat I um, tried out some yeah, despite like the theme of the game and how it looked 
Um, it was actually like it was really fun, and because of the cat character, I was just I was into it 100. <laughs> percent Didn't matter. I could beat people up with my <laughs> cat army. What's not to like? All right, I am going to. You know what? I'm going to stay um, Capcom Arcade. Oh. Yeah, so I'm going to jump over to uh, the Punisher for the arcade. She worked on the Punisher. Yes, this was composed. Uh, the game was composed by Yoko Shimomura and Isao Abe, and Isao Abe, along with Yoko Shimomura, composed Street Fighter Two. This is the ending theme for The Punisher. This is a really interesting soundtrack. And you can really start to hear Shimomura's more classical influence, I think. So here we go. This is ending theme from The Punisher. Ending theme from the game Punisher for the arcade, composed by Yoko Shimomura, also credited Isao Abe. So what, what do you think of this one? This is, I mean, it's got that, it's got to get, it's got, it's got that like super 80s adventure vibe, right? Yeah, but honestly, it doesn't sound like an ending. It sounds more like a beginning, which I guess is kind of fitting because it is the Punisher we're talking about, and it doesn't end till the Punisher says it's over. Yeah. And he never says it's over. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have that. But yeah, this track is pretty legit. Yeah, man. But I'm actually trying to think about it. I never played or I'm going to assume that I've known and just forgot the Punisher had an arcade game, but I don't recall how this even worked. There's a lot of beat-em-up arcade games. And um, from what I've read and from what I've seen, the, uh, well, this one had a couple ports to uh-huh. the home consoles, which were panned. Just horrible like ports. But in the arcade, it was pretty violent. Fitting for the Punisher, yeah. of course. And one one thing I um, I discovered when I was looking this up was the um the you know like the ending screen like where it's just like continue to put your quarter in yeah so like you remember how in um well in this one Punisher's like dead on the ground and there's like a doctor like trying to revive him <laughs> he's like come on two three oh he's counting up five and, and and if you let it go he's like no I lost him <laughs> and that would have like totally traumatized me as I remember being real little playing Final Fight uh-huh. on the Dynamite because Final Fight came out in 1989 so yeah. I must have been like I must have been 9 years old maybe 10 years old when I first saw it and that ending screen is like him covered in Dynamite 
Yeah, the ass is scary. <laughs> he's trying to blow out the dynamite. Oh, yeah. that freaked me out. That freaked me out. It definitely takes me back on. I kind of missed a lot of stuff. It's kind of it's the equivalent of how a lot of TV shows used to have theme song intros and eye-catch middle points. I don't think games have very elaborate continue screens anymore. I assume they even have continues at all. Like, most of the time, it's yeah. just you're either respawned immediately or it's just like a very flat text. Like, it's never anything that outright makes you feel like, oh my god, <laughs> I, gotta re- I gotta press start to continue, I gotta get back in the game. Well, these kinds of arcade games aren't really, like, around. Like, they don't make them anymore like this. It's all, it's all like, trying to create some other kind of experience. It's not like, you don't get to play side-scrollers or beat-em-ups unless you're playing a classic. Yeah, or Xbox, like Xbox Live Arcade yeah, exactly. released games or something. Or like a, some classic arcade where they have a whole bunch of classic games, right? Hey, Paul Roberson, we need another game. We put, we Scott Pilgrim's a long time ago. Oh, that was the artist, right? <laughs> yeah, no, oh. yeah, no, Paul. Yeah, Paul Roberson um, did the art for the game. Yes, and Ubisoft developed it, but but well, Ubisoft too. Shoot, yeah, Ubisoft well, rehired these guys. Fo- follow um, Paul Roberson on Twitter. He, he just he does a lot of concept artwork. He just puts up there, just 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 for fun, and it's amazing stuff. He's got some amazing new, uh, uh, artwork. But don't take your kids. No, it's a little. It's, just, it's disturbing in a good way, though. Oh yeah, I <laughs> in like a great way. I just, would, I just would never take my kids to see it. That's for sure. No, no. All right, what what we got? Uh, you're on to track number two. Yes, and I'm one of. Those, it's always weird. I'm like, should I have chosen these tracks? But deep down, I'm committed. It was hard. I, I love my lo- tunes. I had a lot picked out, and to, and to take these down just to three, mm-hmm. it's rough. Yeah. We could do Shimamura 2 Electric Boogaloo, but we'll see how that flies <laughs> out. Tumamura. Tumamura. Yoko Tumamura. <laughs> that was the worst joke. <laughs> ah, we'll take it. We'll take it. We've uh, had, we, it's been a long week. It's been rainy. You're a good friend. Oh, shut up, you. <laughs> <laughs> my next track. This is dirt out of my eyes. <laughs> um, the next track I got is uh, from an old favorite of mine. I think the last two are going to be from fav- old favorites of mine, but. It's from the game Breath of Fire 1. And it is literally the only track for the entire game she did. (laughs) But it's a good one, so I was like, I'm down for it. That track is titled Trade City by Yoko Shimamura. Enjoy it. Enjoy. Because if you don't. You get get aggressive. I'll feel sad. (laughs) I'll be really, really sad.
Welcome back. You're listening to the track Trade City from the game Breath of Fire, composed by Shimamura. Y- Wait, no. Yoko Shimamura. Yoko Shimamura. Almost missed it there. <laughs> but so I don't remember the name of the, of the town, so don't quote me on this because it's been a while. But I know this town, this tune takes place in the two underwater towns in the game hmm. because you develop the ability to go underwater. And you have a buddy who happens to be a fish man who turns into a giant fish that you ride on. It's a giant fish head. You just ride on him. And it's almost, it makes me kind of wonder what it was about it that made them go, we need one track for this entire game. And we need to call one of our greats to do it. <laughs> can you fill the void? And she said, can I? <laughs> and put out one of the best tracks the game honestly has to offer. It's a great tune. I think, I think she was consulted um, because she worked on multiple games at the same time. Oh, okay. And so I think they sense. brought her in to like either feature or maybe to guide some of the other composers. Oh, nice. I can um, see that working, man. Because I have some information about some other tracks today, about stuff like that. Dun, dun, dun. Some 90s business. So he turned, the guy turns into a fish? Yeah, his name's Gobi. Gobi the fish, man. Gobi. Yeah. That's the best fish name I've ever heard. Oh, Gobi's the man. He's a greedy fish who cares about profit on top of profits. That's great. And he saves the party who gets stranded on a desert island for reasons that I cannot recall. Well, it's better than like our last episode talking with Amanda about Zelda, the guy who just turns into a tree. Yeah, that was depressing. That this was is a, awesome. Well, that was a sad story. And I, I love how, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back to a previous week with Amanda LaCree from Descendants of, of Erdrich. I almost said it the wrong way. <laughs> and, um, and she talks about how you could skip over that and maybe think that he doesn't turn into a tree, but it's best to play the ocarina for him because he's tree no matter just, what you do just to give him one last bit of happiness before he becomes a tree yeah that depressing freaking story so, but this the Gobi Gobi's a fish guy yeah he's fish a fish man, man. fish he, man he can turn into a giant fish and back again okay so he's not always a fish oh he's no perma fish these fish do it on a regular and <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus that anyway, sounds funny like. anyway in addition to that there's also like a whole like fusion system in the game, so Gobi ends up fusing with a bull and an ox and a man who's kind of purple, and they kind of become a weird flying duck monster. So I don't know what they were thinking when they came <laughs> up with that, but he made it for an awesome ball-turning character. It's, it's freaking stellar. I love it. But real quick, I need some, need some um, serious talk before we move on to our next track. Um, what, animal, what animal would you ever want to turn into at will? Animal at will? Some animal that doesn't actually exist, I think. Because it would no, have, no, to, no. Be able, it have to be able to fly. Yeah, yeah. We can, we can come up with this. You can fly. Okay, I have we to be can, able yeah. to fly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I have to be able to swim. Okay, flying and swimming. I have to be fast, a land creature. So I have to be like a sort of bird cheetah fish. <laughs> Penguin. No, that's like the most clumsy of the birds. On it's land. Like a bird. Okay. Yeah, on land, he's like a puffin. Huh? Puffin. Bobby, you think a puffin's good underwater? No, yeah, puffin's no good anywhere. And you can't even eat a puffin. <laughs> They're not even delicious. Like, I want to be delicious, but you can't catch me. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> I want to be able to fly. I want to swim. I want to be a fast runner. I want to be delicious, but you can't consume me. Huh. And psychic powers. You are a demanding magician. you damn right. <laughs> I mean, you better believe it. And at the end of the day, that's my, that would be my spirit animal. Though, let me right. think. In all due honesty, if I had to try to choose an animal that does currently exist, yeah. I do believe I'd want to be 
maybe the equivalent of saying a falcon or something. Okay. Because I always felt like, I mean, obviously all kinds of animals have all sorts of awesome properties, yeah. but at the end of the day, I'd be I like a predator. Best, but I want to be able to, I want to be more of a predator than a, than a prey animal. Yeah. That's the thing. So I want to be a predator if I have to be. But most importantly, I've always liked the idea of being able to fly, like animals that can fly. It's an awesome ability just to be able to just get up and go yeah. at will yeah. and crap on people's cars <laughs> and they have to clean it up. Yeah. You don't have to do anything about it. It's like, the world's your toilet. And all humanity is your Wait, janitor. If all you really, if this is all you want to get out of this, is just to go anywhere. No, that's just a perk. <laughs> that's a perk. But the flying bird <laughs> is just what makes it that much better. I'm a flying bird who's who has a world toilet. <laughs> I don't know how much of this conversation I'm going to use. You should use all of it because it's gold. It's too good. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, though? Oh man, I gotta tell you, I, I watch my cat all day long. Mm-hmm. To sleep in? That's for me, man. Not just, not just a cat. A house cat. That is true. But wouldn't you rather be like a combo cat? You can be street. You can be house. No. You're a street in the street, but you're a house in the house. No. You think you think there's any street in this guy? <laughs> well, you could be if you were a cat. Well, I don't know. So I think street cats have a very difficult life. Yeah, but if very you're in one of those neighbors where they waste good food all the darn time, you got a smorgasbord on your hands. Yeah, that's true. Nice old lady who's always feeding me. My friend used to have seven cats. They all lived up on an area of this neighborhood called Maryland Avenue around a bunch of restaurants. Oh, yeah. And there yeah. was like seven cats that would just come and go at will. And I have no doubt that they were raiding dumpsters on a regular basis, getting fat, and then coming oh. home. was like, yeah, where's this water dude, and gravel? Where we used to live, like, dude, Wilmington, Wilmington, City of Wilmington, Street Cats. Oh, yeah. They're no joke. Oh, yeah. You get out of their way. Yeah, they had they walk around with their eye scars and their, their battle markings. Yeah. In some case, they have armor. I don't know where they get it. They got, they got plus three. The Meowmery. Cuteness. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I'm going to keep it on the SNES. Super Nintendo. Whoa, whoa. whoa I got I to say this real quick because he made a comment about it on the group. Oh, you're watching. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. This uh, is it's relevant to the topic, so I don't want to let it go. All right. I, I do know you can eat puffin, but it's something about it. Like, you can't eat all of the puffin fish. Um, like, you have to cut out specific portions of it to I'm consume. I'm not happy to say being a vegetarian. I wasn't always a vegetarian, but when I visited Iceland, I had puffin. Yes, that's what that's what Mike just said. You can, yeah. go, you can get puffin in Iceland. Yes, that's what I've had. So, it was it was, like I'm thinking, uh, remembering, which is that they cut like a very specific, like you don't get up, so. they only like slap a puffin oh, fish small. on your plate. They're small and they're stupid. Um, and there's a lot of them. And <laughs> it tasted like fish. It tasted like a really weird gummy fish. <laughs> I can't look at this sometimes. You can't look at that. Because that just made me laugh or whatever. But, all right. All right, um, all right so, uh, where was I? All right. We're going to the SNES. SNES time. SNES time. Uh, this is uh, Front Mission. Now, I played a lot of Front Mission Gun Hazard in the past, which was composed by Nobuo Uematsu. But this is Front Mission. The original. The original Front Mission. And this is t- Take the Offensive. So, um, Yoko Shimomura composed mainly the, um, the action music for this game. So, this is Take the Offensive, composed by Yoko Shimomura for Front Mission. Let's do this thing. Do this.
This is Take the Offensive from the game Front Mission for the Super Nintendo, composed by Yoko Shimomura. And so this, this game was being developed at the same time as Super Mario RPG, which oh. Yoko Shimomura was focused on. And so they brought her in to work with the other composer of this game, Noriko Matsueda. Okay. Um, and so he was, Noriko was new, a new composer, a games composer, and so she was kind of like guiding him um, and composed some of the music for the game as well. So she worked on a lot of the action tracks, and, and actually there was a lot of, um, I noticed there were some arranged CDs that were released after the game came out. There were like orchestral arrangements and piano arrangements that she helped uh, arrange. Yeah, Capcom had a, not Capcom, sorry, um, Square had Square. a big habit of doing that kind of thing, even back then where they would, re- they would release al- like studio albums of sorts, and those albums would just be composed of various like drama conversations or, like you said, orchestral leads that just kind of extend the universe of the game a little bit beyond what you played on CD or cart. Um, Front Mission in general, though, is a pretty awesome set, though. I only played the third game, but it's a good third game. Yeah, I remember not even learning about it until like three or four came out for the PlayStation. Yeah, and that's for good reason. That's oh, that was the first one we got. Oh, that's right. We talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I bought it. I was at Virginia Tech at the time, and I jumped on that release because I was finally to see what this Front Mission is all about. And it was pretty slow paced and kind of clunky, but the customization was really slick. The story was pretty deep, and it had this really cool concept where in between levels you had to go on the internet. <laughs> to shop and oh, read really? forum posts. Oh, like an in-game? Yeah, in-game. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Like, it was really awesome. Like They created this whole internet interface. Like You would click on the icon, the game would like pan out and like zoom into the screen. Like, okay, you are in the chat room. And you're like, oh my god, this is 1998 talking? <laughs> Sign me up for this. And then later on, I don't think many games are even trying to do that now, which would be awesome when you think about it. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to see a game use today's technology to try to emulate the 90s internet. That would be pretty awesome, actually. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some stuff out like indie, indie type style games. We need to find them because I want to play. So this one and the last one, you can really hear that 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 big like uh, cinematic style that we're used to hearing with like Mario RPG and with games like Kingdom Hearts, especially Kingdom Hearts. I mean, this is this is this is a shindig. This is a shindig, and you can hear a bit of the uh, the military drumming, which sounds. Very, you know, square. You know, it's got the Nobuo Uematsu kind of like moving forward. Gotta get it done. Oh, but I Push love, through. yeah, I love the uh, the bells that kind of go through here, and then like the way it sweeps and sweeps and sweeps. So if this is taking place during like um, a battle section of the game, I think that's awesome. Like, it's I would almost be... like a map. Yeah. I'm gonna bet it's like not like not saying like map as in like choose your location, but I mean like map as in your army forces are all down in the city, and you got to direct them to right. Because this isn't like a, like a like a real time action game. You're like kind of placing your units and moving them. Yeah, turn-based units. So you get a mech. You get like, you'll say you have like five mechs on your team against a storm of enemy mechs. And each mech you have to customize their weapon loadout and yeah. their armaments. And all that stuff. you march them and then they stop. And the guy's like, Whoop! <laughs> and I'm just making a bunch of sounds and no one can see what I'm like arming you. <laughs> but that's essentially how the game flows. So it's, they're, again, they're slow paced, but they're highly customizable. And they're actually a genuine bit of fun. I... I understand why the series was popular for its time. Yeah, it's very cool, and the music is, is fantastic. All right, so what is your uh, your last your last track? My last track was also a surprise to me until this episode, because again, I knew all about Shimamura 
in her later years, her Mario Luigi Dream Teams and her Kingdom Hearts and whatnot. But I did not know that she had a small part, albeit an awesome one, in a little game I like to recall as Gargoyle's Quest. Hmm. That track, well, I know there was at least two she did, but the track that I chose for this episode is just titled Breger's Castle. May not even be the title, it's just the location it's played, but whatever. It's <laughs> Breger's Castle from the game Gargoyle's Quest, composed by Y. Shimamura. That's why. That's why. Listening to Breeger's Castle from the game Gargoyle's Quest, composed by the myth, the legend, the Lady Divine, Yokosh Memora, <laughs> all the time. Do you like it? I hope you do because I'm enjoying the heck out of this track. It's really good. Um, it's kind of funny. I was talking to Rob about this earlier as I was sending him the links to the tracks for the episode on my end of it, and I was like, you know, let me just double check something. I'm at work, I break out my 3DS and pop Gargoyle's Quest on. Yeah. I had a save file on this stage, and I pretty much played the, the last stage at work. I was like, yep, that is the last stage track, just like I remembered it. Um, but this is actually the second Game Boy game I ever had. The first being the Pack-In Tetris, back in 1989. Pack-In Tetris. Oh, the Pack-In game. The Pack-In game, not yeah. The, not the Pac-Man Tetris. Oh, no, I don't even think. I thought that came Pack out. Attack. But, uh, yeah, Pack Attack. That was not on the Game Boy. I think it, I think it got a Game Boy release. Yeah. I know it was on Super Nintendo. Though. It was a cool version. It was hard as the dick. Oh, yeah, it was super hard. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but this was the first the first Game Boy game I purchased. Tetris was packed in as my first game owned, and I had no idea back then that the character was supposed to be Firebrand. Didn't help that the gargoyle on the box was green. Firebrand is red, but whatever. Well, they probably. Do <laughs> you think they were like trying to like line it up with how you would see it on the Game Boy, make it green? I think that may have been it, but at I the bet. same time, they had like a purple wizard on the cover and <laughs> a greenish blue frog. So I don't know what they were trying to do. Well, there was a sequel, right? Did they get it right on the sequel? On the sequel, they made him red. So it was like they knew what they were doing. They just borked the cover hard. Um, and you're still messed up about this. Oh, I'm still torn. <laughs> I'm torn up. Sometimes you, some might say that they may have <laughs> body swapped Firebrand between the first and second game. <laughs> And the real Firebrand is locked in the dungeon somewhere, waiting for someone to realize that this isn't the right guy. <laughs> Clearly, something I screwed up. But uh, this game in general is just legitimately awesome. It's a simple it's game. Cool. It's, for its time, it was like a platformer, one of, sort of RPG. Not RPG as far as stats and such go, but it had a world map. It had upgrades to your character in the form of like weaponry that did 
actual things for stages, like there was the blockbuster for breaking blocks, there was the barf ball, which I call it because you coated spikes and goo so that you can stand on them without dying. And then there was the final weapon, which is just the dark fire. I don't think it had anything special going for it, except it was really strong. But the, every level had a cool, interesting theme to it. They had this cool, the coolest gimmick about the game, I think, that was the ability to fly. Because as you know, if you played Ghosts and Goblins and got your butt kicked by the guy, Firebrand was a gargoyle that would fly and swoop down on you and kill you. He would fly all crazy, like, on the screen. Yeah, he was a real jerk. But now that you can be Firebrand, you apparently can't fly for very long or very fast. Wasn't there a Ghouls and Ghosts, like, challenge? Like, YouTube challenge? I'm not sure if the challenge was created yeah. by someone specific. Yeah, I thought was, Mike Levy was doing that. Yeah, I think he was doing that, and I was practicing for a while, and then I got real upset, and then I stopped. I booted up Ultimate <laughs> Ghouls and Ghosts because of that yeah. on the PSP and cried about it and then said, yeah, this challenge ain't for me. Because <laughs> I played Ghosts and Goblins as a kid. It was impossible. But I still, still, still have memories of beating it once because you got to remember when we were kids, we were more tenacious. We had more free time. So that constant repeat of stages one and two wasn't so bad because I had nothing else to do but play this game and I couldn't afford a new one for ages, you know? So, but, yeah, that game, no, it's, Firebrand's a jerk. And then in the game, they give you, like, limited flight and limited firepower, but as you play the game, you get better and better wings so you can fly for longer until the very last stage, you can fly indefinitely, you fly an infinite amount of time. Which is awesome, and you have, there's a lot of parts where you have to like kind of fly, stop, fall, catch yourself, and fly under ledges and stuff. Oh, I like that. I like that because like with the platformers, if you have like if you have like a flying item, mm-hmm. like they had to make it limited. Otherwise, you would just blow, you know, breeze through the whole. Because the game is like just hold right, right? You just get from one point A to point B. But that's the thing, though. With this game, I don't. I can't remember if this happened for other stages, but I can confirm because I just played the game again. But when you get the infinite flight for the last stage, they make it tough by giving you really small gaps that to fly into and places where you have to kind of jump and oh, get to stop and catch yourself. So they, they, so they, they give you the flying technique and then give you a lot of like challenges to like, kind of get through. Yeah, I you'll like, still I, die. I should play this again. It's awesome. I remember really enjoying it, but it's been in ages, obviously. We're not so young anymore. Um, all right, so I'm going to pull this track down, if you're okay with that. You might guess. I'm going to miss it, though. <laughs> pull the track down and... Now we are going to have a part of the show we like to call the bonus round. The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes based on today's theme. And Pernell, um, you have to go first. I got to go first, and I uh, I went with Mario RPG. You failed me! <laughs> you failed me! There's a lot of good stuff out there. Well, I'm assuming it must be a really good track. Yes, though. this is great. This is by uh, Michael Williams. I believe we've had him on the show before, or at least I own a lot of his music. Um, and this is his remix of Forest Maze from Super Mario RPG. Oh, do 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 You know Doo. that track. Oh, it's so good, man.
Forest Maze Remix from Super Mario RPG um, Remix by Michael Williams. M-Y-K-A-L Williams. Um, that was awesome. Like when I ran into that stuff, I'm like, yes, because I'm looking for more um, remix tracks for like my live sets and for like, you know, just turntable stuff. And this was like, oh, this is perfect. This oh, is yeah. super perfect. And yeah. it's already got like all the uh, the sound effects thrown in there. It's perfect for scratching. So I'm really excited. Yeah, about I'm about that. to say, yeah. if you play this on your bonus beats, you'll have to do some kind of a little bit where you're like, wick, wick, wick. yeah, yeah. I, I got a lot. I need to get a new mixer because my crossfader is actually like <laughs> the last time I did this, the other uh, the stream stopped, but like I was going, um, I was doing a crab on the fader. Crab is using all your fingers. And um, I just, it just came right off. <laughs> it, just, it just flew across what? the room. Yeah. <laughs> Those bonus beats hit the bone. <laughs> just bonus shattered. Yeah. So I think it's about time to, to upgrade some things in the studio here. But well, no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. That was that was some some fun stuff. That was an awesome track, man. Yeah. I, I, last episode, I went, I wanted to do more chill, more, more guitar and like violin. And this one was like, now I want to get back into something funky. Something fresh? Something fresh. Silk smooth. Now, what do you have? Well, I was looking for tracks in a sense that I was, I had this thing where sometimes I have a track in mind, but I want to find a remix of it. I had two in mind, one of which I didn't luck out on, which was going to be from the game Parasite Eve, Plosive Attack. Mm. But I did find this one by two guys who just seem to be kind of in it just to have fun. I might not even have them right on here, but uh, two individuals by the names of Yamila and Frederico did a cover of my favorite track from the game Legend of Mana mm-hmm. called The Wings the the Wing mm, Wings I'm hungry. The Wind <laughs> Sings of a Journey. That's the track title. That's what they covered with a piano, a guitar, but no turntables nor a microphone. Right. No, this is good. Let's check it out.
So you have just listened to the wind sings of a you have just listened to the wind sings of a journey, done on the piano and the guitar by Yamila and Federico. This track sounded so good to me, and it was extremely quiet, you know, low key, just them with their instruments doing an awesome rendition. And for me, in this track, as I remember from the game, it's a perfect way to cover it because. That was the thing I liked the most about it was how mellow and relaxing the tune is in the game. And then there's like whistling on top of it within the game, which is kind of why I was I was kind of whistling over here. To keep oh, okay. That was like sort of like making like like triggered you to like oh the whistling that the memory right. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, the yeah, whistling. Yeah. It's just such a wonderful track. I never I didn't keep this game because it didn't. I had small gripes about it, which makes me want to retry it and see if I if they wouldn't exist today. But. Regardless of how I felt about the game itself, the, both the colorful graphics mm. and the insanely well, well constructed music, yeah, just made the game lovable in every other way. Well, I possible. liked I like this arrangement a lot. I thought it was like it was a nice higher higher up tempo, but it just sounded like if I heard this like at a coffee shop or something, I would be like super into it. Yeah, you'd be sitting yeah. there sipping your cup, like. I don't know who composed this masterful piece, but I need to get the compo- I got to get the list of tracks yeah. from the from the barista later. You know, I tell you that's still what I want to do one day. I want to have a place where you can go to a restaurant and they'll play a bunch of video game covers, and you don't even realize they're from video games at all. That would be freaking sweet. Well, for more information on the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to their SoundClouds, Bandcamps and YouTubes and everywhere else you can get the music and support the artists. Thank you for joining us on episode 10-2 of Rhythm and Pixels, our composer focus on Yoko Shimomura. A spectacular focus on a spectacular composer. Um, yeah, it was really, I, I really got a lot out of exploring the other games that she's worked on that I didn't know anything about. Oh, for sure. What, what, what were some of the big surprises for you? Honestly, I think I picked them all. <laughs> the fact that she was on, she was involved in both Gargoyle's Quest and that one Breath of Fire track. Oh, no, the biggest surprise was the Poppin' music track. And then I guess she did one other one from that game, like Poppin' 16 or something, I think it was. Whatever Poppin' yeah. the movie was, it may have been 16. Well, I know um, in Poppin' music, we play a lot of Poppin' music. I mean, you play more than I do, but we, we play a lot together. I remember seeing um, game composers, other game composers in that game. It's usually because the music is from like a different game. Yeah, like they have, say, Castlevania. They'll have a Castlevania medley. Yeah, Bloody and, Tears is in there. Gradius is in there. Yeah, but this is more so unique because it's a game composer, but the tracks are not from any game she's actually done. They were composed for the game itself, which is awesome. Yeah, I expected it to be from like a different game, but it wasn't, and it's super cool. love this. I love Shimamura. <laughs> and honestly, you know what would be a great swan song in a sense? They should have put her as a character in Kingdom Hearts 3. 
Well, I actually put like Yoko Shimomura as like a character. She'd fight with you, or if she didn't fight with you, she'd at least be able to like talk to you in one of the towns or something. That'd be really awesome. Be like, I hope you like my music. <laughs> Press B to summon me. Oh, like how um, like like Vert is in Shovel Knight as like the uh, as like the uh, the jet, not the jester, the um, the musician. Yeah, it'd yeah. be something else just to give her like a weird cameo like that. Just oh. drop her in the game. I, I played through Kingdom Hearts one and two. None of those other weirdo games, but the um. They put everyone else in those damn games. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. everybody else is in those games. If they can put Aladdin and the Genie in, like, five of them, they could put Yoko yeah, Shimomura Aladdin, in one of them. the Genie, uh, Tron characters, and Sephiroth all in the same game. Why not? It's, it's a veritable <laughs> kingdom. Like It's a veritable square hodgepodge magudge. And I like the games, just hoping that Kingdom Hearts 3 isn't a complete turd, though. So far, I think it'll still be okay. I'm not holding out for it. We'll, we'll, just because we'll, I'm probably not going to play that anymore. We'll know in 2027 when it comes out. Well, um, if you, the listeners, have any other ideas for episode topics, or if you just want to say hi, why don't you send us an email? Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you would like for more information about our show, if you'd like full track listing, um, and if you'd like links to maybe like uh, where we're going to be next, or um, maybe if you want to buy a t-shirt with our faces on it, kind of pixelated faces on it, go to rhythmandpixels.com. Um, go to uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's rhythmandpixels, all one word. That'll, that'll just come right up. Actually, so, i got to ask since you brought that up on the episode. Is there, are the links still up, you think? The links. For the, <laughs> For the shirts, because I actually ordered yeah. a hoodie. Myself. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It hasn't come yet. It's in the mail. But, um... The way it seemed like it seemed like it was going to end, like the ability oh, to buy was going to end. It goes, it just it, it re it re ups itself. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. You can do that. It's just if you ordered it at if you ordered a shirt at the end of a um, cycle that that the Teespring is on, then because they, they only print so much for so long. Ah, they'll print so it might, so it might just take longer for you to get it. That's all. That makes sense. But you can get there. It's on on the top menu bar. It says T-shirts, and you can get uh, men's tees, women's tees, and hoodies. Um, in different colors because I really like pink with the logo so I have a lot of pink on there <laughs> but I know like people like black and people like white so you got, you got black right I'm pretty sure I got black yeah. or some form of blue if it existed no, I don't think I put blue in there oh raspberries that most likely means I got black in it um, so yeah there's that um, and we also if, if you're a fan of the show and you want to help support us uh, help keep the files on the servers and help keep our domain uh, host uh, domain name algorithmandpixels.com keep, to, me on, keep me drenched in post notes get post notes yeah go to uh, <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels um, and if you're there you get access to live streams that we're doing today of, of the show so if you want to bug us on YouTube and you know say things but you'll, you'll have exclusive access to this show and I got to say, though, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I was originally like, I don't know if I want to do this whole live podcasting thing. I feel anxious. No, it's cool. It's fun. It ended up being a lot of fun. <laughs> and I think it'd be cool if more people could get in on it. So it'd be awesome to see if that ends up happening. Well, let's, um, let's thank our um, subscribers. We're going to thank Alex the Messenger. Awesome man. Awesome thank um, new, uh, a new subscriber, Henrik Anderson. Thank you so much for subscribing. Uh, Chris Murray, the man. We have Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version of the Video Game Music Podcast, a fantastic podcast. Also the main. Also the man. And Brian Pitt, uh, uh, just been a longtime subscriber and supporter of the show. Thank you all very much. A definite legit gen. So, Pitt. yeah, and, and if you want access to this stuff, go to patreon.com slash Pixels. You get to all that stuff. 
And I was going to say something else. Oh, um, another VGM podcast you should check out is the VGM Jukebox with Keyglyph and Josh. They are true connoisseurs yes. of the art. I've been really enjoying their, their episodes. Um, and Josh inspired me to start playing Golf Clash. So, uh, Josh, if you're listening to this episode, I'm coming for you. Oh, he was trash talking to living daylights out of you, too. <laughs> Don't, he's not acting. He's not making that up. I wasn't trash talking. I was he just... was trash talking you. You got to show him what's up. <laughs> Give him the business. Make him up his game. Uh, all right. Um, well, this has been the Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernet. Please have a great and safe week. And remember, flat out, hey, um, unfortunately, we're making this podcast in between a pair of pretty horrible storms. We've had one in Houston, Texas, in the, like, in the last week or so. Took the, it really hammered them home. And there's another one coming to Florida. It'll have been through Florida by the time this episode airs. But the purpose of this episode, this statement is twofold. One, you can't say enough about the tenacity of, or the tenaciousness of the human spirit. Mother Nature keeps kicking and we keep getting back up. Can't keep us down. But by that same token, it's not always easy to do. Lots of damages, lots of loss, lots of hard work is in store for both of those cities, of both the state of Florida as a whole and the city of Houston, Texas. And communities like the Red Cross are doing their best to try to do what they can to support the recovery yet the recovery effort. So, if anything, I know we're all some of us are pretty broke. Eh, my pockets. But um, if you can do anything, whether it be financially with donations, or time with volunteer work, or blood work, drop some blood donations in the can. Um, whatever you can do to help is definitely appreciated. If not by someone directly related to you, then by just the great space microcosm that is humanity. I don't know. Do what you can to help others. That's the gist of it.